right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. F that. You don't got time to say. All right? Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. I'm Derek Johnson. Along with me is Nick Springer. Hey. Nick is sad. I'm sad. You know, it's it's kind of cruel punishment, to be honest, after the KUK State game Saturday, where it's just a dejecting feeling. And then yeah. we come in on Monday. It's the week of Thanksgiving. So already, like, you're like, okay, short week. Like, I'm ready to be done with work. And then you look outside. It's raining. It's cold. Dude, While this- on the TV, we have the Maui Invitational going on where it's like, man, could we not have been sent there? And it's probably perfect weather out there. People are on the beach. Cruel. Very cruel Monday. Dude, the weather the past couple days has matched my mood. Sad, <laughs> dreary, rainy, cold, depressed. Uh, Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to get through this opening segment without saying any profanities. But, uh, you know, through the power of radio, we should be good, hopefully. You would hope so. Uh, the delay is on, I hope. Anyway, uh, Kansas <laughs> falls to Kansas State. We'll get plenty into that all throughout the show here. We will also get into some KU basketball talk for the Maui Invitational, as well as the uh, Chaminade game tonight, which you can hear here on KLWN and our sister station, 105.9 KISS, pregame 6.30, tip-off at 8 o'clock. We have uh, KU football audio, KU basketball audio to get to. We will get into a little Chiefs preview, too, and an early look at KU Cincinnati. We will not have a show on Thursday and Friday this week, and if KU's playing in the Maui Invitational Championship on Wednesday, we won't have a show Wednesday either. So let's just get right into it. KU falls to K-State 31 to 27. I felt like Dennis it's Dennis Green, right? The, the former Cardinals coach who uh, they're playing the Bears um, Sunday night, Monday night football, oh, whatever it was. They are who we thought yeah, they, they were. Are who they thought they were. And we let them off the hook. That's how I felt. You let them off the hook. I thought Kansas was the better team in this game. Now, yeah. um, I, think, I think it's pretty undisputable. Yeah, I mean, there was, uh, well, uh, there was no, uh, you know, I guess from a dudes discussion of like who has the most dudes, you know, there, there was never a point in that game where I was like, okay, oh, you has less dudes or KU has less athleticism than K-State. Yeah. Maybe some of these categories are even, right? But like there was never a point in that game where KU was outmatched or they were outclassed or they were outschemed or outdevised or whatever it was. You just made a couple big execution mistakes. And if not for maybe even one of them, you probably win the game. Yeah. And, and I think what's what's so frustrating about it is you've waited 15 years to see them beat Kansas State. And for it to end like that, it's this almost feeling of hopelessness of like, like on one hand, hey, we're closer than we've ever been. But on the other hand, it still didn't matter. And and it just, yeah. it sucks because it, it wasn't a, a, an effort thing. It wasn't a, like th- the players left it all out on the field. They, they, they tried their ass off. I felt so horrible after the game for some of the seniors. I felt bad for Kenny Logan. I felt bad for Devin Neal, who played his butt off in this game. But like, yeah. you just kind of let him off the hook because he made too many mistakes. Yeah, I mean, it had all the makings of uh, truly a possible storybook night for KU, right? I mean, a true storybook ending. Last game in the booth before you before you renovate it. Kind of, it almost. I think a win would have almost felt like 
fully closing the book on the previous era of KU football. Like, fully mm-hmm. done. Done. It's in the past. On to the next chapter. On to, you know, literally the new era, right? It felt like a win would have would have fully closed that door. Would have fully moved you forward. Uh, but instead, man, somehow, some way, the last vestiges of old KU football find their way to come up through the ground and grab the ankles of the current KU football It feels team. like you're cursed in special teams. Yes. I mean, we came into the game. We said Kansas on paper has the special teams advantage. Kansas or came at the, the very game. least, it's not right. It's, it's not a you look significant advantage sides. for K-State. You look at the ESPN FPI. You look at ESPN SP+. Uh, you look at Pro Football Focus, Kansas had the edge in who had the higher graded special teams. You look at, you know, we talked about this. Kansas came in number one in the Big 12 in yards per punt return. Kansas State was 11th in net yards per punt. Kansas, meanwhile, was like top six in net yards per punt. Like, across the board, your special team should have been able to hold up. And in the end, like, that kind of did you in. Um, I mean, yeah. it, it's, it's the what if game to a certain standpoint. Like, it's the what if of what if KU has a different quarterback. Right, I, I thought Cole Ballard played well. We'll get into yeah. Cole Ballard coming up here, but um, yeah. just briefly, like, he's what not if you reason, had Jason Bean? Cole right? Ballard's not the reason why he lost. Sure, the game. exactly. But what if you had Jason Bean? What if you had Jalen Daniels? Because he's not the reason you lost the game, but having an upgrade at that position wouldn't have hurt either, right? Fair. What if Rich Miller doesn't drop the pick six that was given to him in his life? I mean, that would have made it thirty four sixteen, right? That, that was tough. That's going to be in nightmares <laughs> was, forever among KU tough. fandom. Um, what if the blocked PAT doesn't happen? You know, I, I know the muffed punt, which I, I there's another what if. What if the muffed punt doesn't happen with Trevor Wilson? Yeah. I know the muffed punt gets more attention, and maybe deservedly so, because that would have been it would have been 27-24. You have the ball at their own, like, 45, 40-yard line, something like that, yeah. with a chance to kind of put it away. And in addition to you not having mm-hmm. that possession with great field position, you give them great possession yeah, and to it, go and down. It wasn't even the muffed punt thing to me. It wasn't even about necessarily the fact that, you, you couldn't put the offense on the field as much as it was. You had to put the defense back out. Yeah. Right? I mean, just got a big sack. Yeah, you just had an emotional stop, a big emotional stop for the defense, and you got to go right back on the field. That, to me, was, was really what was the worst part about that. So, uh, yeah, just, just really, really brutal stuff. And you see Trevor Wilson sprinting full speed to try to get under, and it's like, dude, just, just let it bounce. Yes. Man. I mean, worst case, it bounces down to, like, the KU 35. But, again, to me, the biggest – the biggest issue there was just you have you can't put the defense back on the field under any scenario there. No, and that's what happened, and that was unfortunate. But as as big of a play as that was, the blocked PAT was huge. Okay, think yeah. about this math wise. It would have been twenty eight twenty eight. Correct. So if if KU hits the PAT instead of it being when it was twenty seven sixteen, it would have been twenty eight twenty eight. And they would have been a 14 because two less points for them. Which, by the way, I guess uh, there's another what if. If KU would have recruited Keenan Garber harder when he was... This is not the current staff's fault. This was I don't remember if that would have been a David Beatty thing or a Les Miles thing. But that turned out to come back to haunt you, didn't it? Uh, and Again, not this staff's fault. So that's a different what if. Um, but then it's 28-14 to your point. And when Kansas State scores their next touchdown, instead of going for two, which they got to make it 27-24 at the time... They're just kicking the PAT and it's now twenty eight twenty one. Yeah, and then, and then the next touchdown after the muff punt is twenty eight twenty eight. And KU would have had a ball to kick a field goal. To take exactly, the, the fourth and five that Cole Ballard they throws the pick in the end zone. They they're just goal. kicking a field goal and instead. Thirty one twenty eight. Now who knows? Kansas State might have gone down and tied it. Might have gone down and take a touchdown. But maybe you have another chance late. Maybe you do win thirty one twenty. I don't know. That one had a big impact as well. So there's all these what ifs. There's also, there's the hold on the fourth down that that just, wasn't a hold. Just real quick. Yeah. Why in the hell was Chris Kleiman calling timeouts at the end of the game? I don't know. That was kind of but weird. What were we doing? Over at the team. I don't care. Don't you do don't have to stupid. do anything. Just run know. around and kneel it. 
Yeah, that really whatever. kicked me off. Uh, there's a lot of what ifs. And so there, there's two ways of viewing that. There's the way of viewing it as like, well, all these what ifs make this so it almost felt like a flukier loss in the grand scheme. But because you've lost 14 straight, it almost feels like you chalk it up to the same thing. But here's the thing. Like, I'm, I'm tired of the what ifs. We've had enough what ifs in this series, right? Uh, you heard from the players. You heard from Lance Leipold that like there are no moral victories. Yeah. It's it's tiring to have these what ifs anymore. It's tiring to have the what ifs of what if you didn't muff your own punt at your end last year. What if, uh, you know, Jalen Daniels was more healthy last year. What if a couple of years before you don't punt the ball every time to to their return man Philip Brooks? What or if Peyton Bender doesn't drop? The yeah, ball. Peyton Bender doesn't drop the ball. What if this or that? What if all? Because guess what? If you keep having to say what if every year, it no longer becomes a fluke. It becomes, hey, guess what? Kansas State isn't having to say every time. What if? Because they're playing a clean game. They're not turning the ball over. You were minus two in turnovers. You had three turnovers. They had one. Um, they're the team that's not making dumb mistakes. They're the team that's not shooting themselves in a the foot. And that is what is so frustrating about this is that, is that it is a what-if game, but there have been so many what-if moments in this series that I almost just point to be like, okay, maybe it's not a what-if thing anymore. Like, I know it's so easy. that the, the biggest thing, like every fan base does this. This is not me trying to like call out, you know, every fan base does this. It's so easy to every fan base be like, oh, we should be this record because we lost this close game where this weird thing happened, and if it didn't happen, we would have won. Guess what? Over the course of the season, weird things are going to happen to you. It's 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 almost impossible to be mistake-free. And when you're coming from where Kansas has been, you know, you play close games, weird things will happen sometimes. Now, maybe do the weird things happen to where in most years you lose all of Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, and K-State the way all three of those games went every time? No, maybe you only lose one of those. Maybe you lose two of those games, not all three, because they have been some of the fluky, weird stuff. But my point is, some of the self-inflicted mistakes that a lot of times you want to point to and say, what if this or that? Okay, sometimes that is why teams are better or worse or win or lose games. It's because some teams are better at avoiding mistakes, and some make them. And so, so yes, maybe they are a little bit fluky. Maybe it does lead to some what-ifs. But that's the most frustrating part to me is that this isn't just a one-time thing where it was, yeah, what if KU did this? That has been the story of a lot of these games over the last handful plus well, of years. Listen, if it was all about talent, nothing else mattered, then guess what? The most talented teams would always win. That's not how it works. There's there's so much more involved with, with the sport and, and how it goes. So, yeah, man, it just sucks. I mean, that's the most that's probably the most depressed that I've ever been for any sport in my entire life after a regular season game. Uh you know, besides like playoff games or postseason games, just a rate just a regular season game, that was the most depressive I've ever been. Yeah. I mean, again, like tough. I said, it really felt like that night had the chance to be a storybook ending of the previous era of KU football of where these things do happen and you do lose. And yet somehow it still did all come crashing down for for KU in the game. So, yeah, really, really, uh, just just disappointing, just sad, just dis just disappointed and uh, speechless almost. I mean, just just yeah, just not fun. It's <laughs> not no, but not a I good mean, time. I, I, I mean, that was going to be a really good. Segment. That was going to be a de that was going to be yeah. a Devin Neal legacy game. Uh, he was phenomenal in the game, the best player on the field. I would argue, I think, on both sides. And it could have been his. It could have been his legacy statue building game, basically, if he carries them to a win. Uh, there's just you know, there's just so many things that could have gone one way or the other. And I, I will say this: that was also the most electric I think the booth has ever been. 
that I've ever oh, it was experienced. Awesome. And it wasn't because of K-State fans. I want to make that very clear. <laughs> make, let me make yeah. this something very, very, very... That was no 60-40 crap or no 70-30. No. There was easily 80, if not 90% KU fans, and they were the reasons why that stadium was as electric as it was for the whole game. Yeah, man. It, and I think the, the reason that everything you mentioned, like Devin Neal just doing everything in his power, how hard he was running in the game, the fact that you're gritting it out with a third-string quarterback. You see guys going down with injuries or who are playing banged up, like Dominic Pooney playing through some of the injury stuff. I, we found out today from Lance Leibold, Dominic Pooney was the one who ran center on yeah. the tush-push play. That was kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, hey, by the way, that's also probably the first time all season the, the sugar huddles worked. Yeah, I know. And then uh, Kenny Logan... Um, you know, having his final game senior day, all the seniors, right? Mason Fairchild, yeah. all these guys that have meant so much for the program, playing their butts off and, and it never being a thing about effort and how hard they wanted it and how you had it in your fingertips. You were up 27-16. You have the all those mistakes that go against you. Would have been the combination of all of those things and then just feeling bad for the players that they didn't get the outcome there with everything, you know, seeming to point to that it was going to be their time. Just makes you feel so bad. I agree with you. It's it's yeah. probably the most dejected. I've. I don't know, man. It's it's certainly any, up there. I any mean, sport, it doesn't matter. It, it just regular season, you know. So not yeah. NCAA tournament, not like playoffs for like the Chiefs or postseason or anything like that. Just regular season, regular game. Yeah, that's the most impressive ever. And it's like selfishly, I, I I don't even know if this. I I guess this is partial selfish and partial not because like selfishly, of course, you want to see another year of Devin Neal, how fun he is as a KU running back. Um, but, like, from a from a sort of selfish but also selfish for him reason, like, I just I, I want to see him come back next year so he can get a chance at beating Kansas State because he deserves to have beaten Kansas State. But then again, I'm still like, well, but do what's best for you and, like, you know, you're going to have a great shot at going to the NFL. I don't know what he's going to do. Yeah. But, like, that's what I would feel really bad for if this is his last shot at K-State. He did everything in his power, three touchdowns. You see some of the runs he's having where he's – it's like, okay, that could have been a three-yard game, powers his way for six. That could have been a seven-yard game. I mean, even game, the touchdown run he had to start the game. Yes. That was like a zero-yard gain, it looked like. Yes. <laughs> I, I mean, just like I feel for him and, and all these guys. Yeah. Um, Cole Ballard, I thought, played, like you said, good enough to win the game. It was kind of similar yeah. to the Texas Tech game. Is it obvious that – you know, you you wish you had Jason Bean or Jalen Daniels, of course. But those guys are really good. You know, I, I posted this today. Uh, you go by total QBR. If any of the quarterbacks qualified in the Big 12, right now none of the KU quarterbacks qualify because, you know, lack of You have to play like what? 70% reps. It, of whatever. It's something I, I think how they qualified is 20 action plays per game. So I, I don't know what considers an action yeah. play, if that's a throw and a run or, or what. But anyway, um, Jalen Daniels would be number two in the Big 12. Jason Bean would be number six. And uh, Cole Ballard to be number 11. And I think that's pretty indicative, right? You go down the line and, you know, it's your first, second, third string quarterbacks. You expect a little bit of drop off along the way. Jalen, you have one of the best quarterbacks in the Big 12. Jason Mean, you have a good quarterback, one of the, you know, top 25-ish in the country. Good enough for you to win eight or nine games. Then you go down to Cole Ballard and Cole Ballard has been better than other Big 12 quarterbacks. And he's been serviceable enough to win games. But still, there's a jump there with the Jason Bean stuff. That that whole thing was kind of weird, though, how we heard in the postgame that Jason Bean was available. We saw him practicing. He gets announced on the big board or the video board, and he just doesn't play at all. I mean, you you kind of said it all throughout the week that you expected Ballard to start, but you expected yeah. Jason Bean to be sprinkled in. I thought maybe. You, yeah. I, I was definitely surprised that we didn't at least see him at all. I mean, on his senior day especially, right? Yeah, I have I have a couple thoughts on this, and I've I've been kind of alluding to it throughout the week last week, but this staff, Lance Leipold, Andy Kolnicki, the this coaching staff, they have – 
it, they have a very, very specific system. They have a very, very specific process for how they want to prepare for games. And they are very, very, very committed to that process, to that system, maybe to a fault in this case, right? Maybe to a fault to where it doesn't matter. It, you fill in the blank. The, the, the name on the back of the jersey doesn't matter to them. They are committed to whatever system, whatever process they have for implementing a game plan, and it starts early in the week. And if there is any, any, any minutia or any doubt that that whoever they think is going to be the starter can't do it, then it's just on to the next man. And again, I th- saw they may somebody be so saying that, they could that, have Patrick Mahomes, and if he didn't practice that week, they'd be like, ah, sorry, Patrick. I I, <laughs> I, I would agree. I would agree. Again, it, whatever system or process they have for implementing their game plan, they are so dedicated, yeah. so committed. Almost to a fault. But at the same time, you look at the game plan they had for Kansas State, and it worked. I mean, what they did against Kansas State was working. The Wildcat stuff with Tory Lachlan, all that all that stuff was working. It was working really well, actually. And, you know, maybe with Jason Bean, they don't pull out all that Wildcat stuff. And, they, they, they you know, the game plan is different. I will say this. But I think the speed option plays work better with Tory Lachlan and Cole Ballard than Jason Bean. Yes. I think I, I don't know if it's just reading the defense, knowing when to pitch it or what. I honestly think it's just that Jason Bean, with his speed, mm-hmm. he just assumes he can outrun to the edge, and then if he can't, it's too late to pitch. Yeah. <laughs> or I don't know. But again, but, overall, you but, know, yeah. you so, Jason Bean. So yeah. that that's really my that's really. I guess I just wanted to state it more clearly here that that that's how this staff is is going to operate. Well, and, and, I, and, and you from the outside perspective, I get it. It's annoying. It's frustrating. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, why wouldn't you start your better quarterback? All, all that, all, every, all that. I get it all. But I've, I said it last week, and I say it again. It would have gone against everything that this staff has ever done to to start Jason Bean in that game against Kansas State. And guess what? They didn't because they are so committed to their system of implementing their game plan of how they want to go throughout, how they want to go day to day throughout the week. I mean, this whole everything, everything that Lance Leipold does is a process. Everything that he does is a system. And it's and it is even more epitomized by what he and Andy Cole, Andy Cole Nicky also what they do to implement an offensive game plan starting on probably Sunday morning or you know yep. whenever after the game, and if they do not have a clear answer on who is going to be the starting quarterback, it's just they honor the next man, and that's how they do it. That's how they operate. Yeah, and, and I th- get it. It sucks. It's frustrating. You know, maybe Jason Bean. And and again, I like I said, I even thought that. Maybe, like I said, Jason Bean would play a little bit, and they'd have some plays designed for him, and even that wasn't the case. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. Like I said, Cole Ballard didn't play bad. And, and again, the scheme that KU had that Andy Kulnicki drew up was very successful. K, KU was moving the ball very well. They averaged almost seven yards per play. They outgained Kansas State. Their offense and the system they had, it worked. It was working. The Tory Lachlan stuff was working. Devin Neal and the Wildcat was working. Cole Ballard, when called upon, made some good throws and and executed well. Like they they did, they went out and did exactly what they probably had planned to do earlier in the week. It worked. Everything it, it worked for them. Now you go to the second half and it didn't work as well. They had some turnovers and you know things like that. But in the first half, man, listen. After the three and out to start the game, they so they had five total drives in the first half. Or no, that's not right. Yeah, no, they had they after their first five drives. I should say not in the first half. Their first five total drives. The first one they went three and out. They scored a touchdown on the next four. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I wonder. I wonder if that's what they got into. I wonder if the plan was to say, "Hey, we're gonna have Cole Ballard go the first. I don't know, two or three drives, and then we'll sprinkle in Jason Bean for a few formations, or have him just take over at some point." I, do you run into an issue where you go, "Okay, 
you score on the second drive, and then it's like, because how many times have we heard this complaint where you you are going to change quarterbacks and you change after the the one just scored a touchdown and it ruins your momentum. So yeah. he scores a touchdown and it's like, well, we can't change now. And then they score another touchdown. It's like, okay, we can't change now. They score another. And then you score another touchdown to begin the second half. And it's like, you're in too deep at that point. Yeah. You're up 27-16. You've scored what you said, four straight touchdowns. It's hard to be like, okay, now we're in the mid-late third quarter. Now let's go to Jason Bean. You know? So I wonder yeah, if I, 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 I wonder if that was just kind of situational and it, they kind of almost just got hurt by the how the game went in that regard, you know? But that that's as much as you had those mistakes with the special teams and stuff. They had three straight drives in the second half after they got up 27-16, and then it was 27-24. They had three straight drives where they either started or reached their own 40-yard line and ended up with zero points on all three. So that yeah. kills you as well, you know? Um, but bottom line, I, I will say, like, as as frustrating of a loss as it is, as, as dejected as you could feel, as depressed as you could feel after that game, I think it's safe to say KU is as close to Kansas State as the two programs have been since Mark Mangino. Oh yeah, we'll You're circle n- back to what you said at the start of this whole mm-hmm. at the start of the show. KU was the better team. Yes, they were better. And they so were better in almost every area. It's frustrating because you still lost that way. And you're never going to win this game without playing as close to clean as possible, and you weren't clean enough in this game. The program continues to be on an up arrow. This just felt like such a gut punch along the way. But I don't know how, even though if you're frustrated with the outcome, you couldn't have more pride in where this program is and how hard the players fought on the field on Saturday. Oh, absolutely, 100% agree. All right, we'll get to some uh, KU football postgame audio and uh, some KU basketball talk coming up. Next, we'll get to our Pearson Collision Hit of the Week with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to RCST, brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. We'll get into some KU basketball, Maui Invitational talk, and more KU football talk throughout the show here. And a little Chiefs-Eagles talk after a big Monday Night Football coming up later tonight. Before we do that, it's time for our Pearson Collision Hit of the Week. Just like you, Pearson Collision loves to celebrate a great hit in KU football, but in your car, not so much. Quality work, every job, Pearson Collision in Lawrence. I don't know that there's like a super obvious one in this one. There are yeah. some options, though. Yeah. Yep. Um, there was Austin Booker's sack of Will Howard that was before awesome. you muffed the punt. Yeah. At the time, though, before that, I mean, if you could just men in black erase your mind of what <laughs> happened after the sack and you just stopped watching the, the game from there, awesome. you'd, you'd probably be a content person. Yeah. that The booth got loud after that sack, that's yeah. for sure. Uh, there was that one, so that's a good one. Melo Dotson had a nice cut down of DJ Giddens on a swing pass in the first quarter. Well, hard he hit. Hurt himself. He also got hurt on the play, so yeah. maybe that shouldn't. It be was picked. pretty cool though. He, he like hit, he though. like upended him. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Uh, LJ Arnold pancake to DB. It wasn't like a a Maj Reed Adams last week type pancake, but he did make him fall down backpedaling and you know pancaked him on the Devin Neal first rushing touchdown. So you know that's a good one. Anytime you have receivers blocking downfield like that, yeah. Um, J.B. Brown nailed D.J. Giddens after like a one-yard gain at one point, kind of early in the third quarter. That was a real hard hit from a guy who is a big hard hitter. And then uh, there was the Tommy Dunn play where Giddens, it was like a second and two. Giddens got stuffed to make it third and two in the third quarter. I think they yeah. ended up converting there and getting a touchdown, but Tommy Dunn smushed uh, Giddens on that play. So, um, I don't know. Any others come to mind? Uh no, nah, I think those are probably all. There are a couple other like decently options. hard hits on running plays that were like two or three yard gains. Yeah, but, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I think Austin Booker's got to be the answer here. I feel like 
See, I'd be cool going with the L.J. Arnold one, giving the receivers some love okay. for a hard hit on a pancake. Yeah, it was the first touchdown. But uh, the Austin Booker one, I think, honestly, what like if Kansas doesn't muff the punt, I think we would clearly take the Austin Booker one. Agree. It's just in my mind that I, it's unfortunate that those two things are like, I don't know. <laughs> tied together. Tied together in some way, even though they're not really, but I don't know. Yeah. Like, yeah, I would. I I like Austin Booker. Okay. Hmm. I don't know. It's your call, though. You're the boss. Well, if we give this to Austin Booker, he will take the lead. I noticed that. It's a big one. So that is a big deal. So, I mean, if with that in mind, I mean, is this significant enough that you're willing to go with Austin Booker? I think it is. That was such a big play. It was a fun sack. Yeah. Let's go with Austin Booker. So that gives him the lead. Lock he has three in. of the hits of the week. Uh, J.B. Brown is the only other one with multiple. He has two. So that means that, well, I guess technically with the bowl game. Yeah. JB Brown could still pass him. Correct. And somebody else Anybody could still with one tie. could tie him. Yeah. Uh Kobe Bryant still has the best. That's still the best one, right? Yes. BYU. Yeah. 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 Gonna be hard to unseat that one. Yeah. Okay. That's our uh Pearson Collision hit of the week. Pearson knows accidents happen. Understand the stress and pressure. Pearson embodies trusted experience, meticulous repair, and they work with your insurance. Pearson Collision Repair, seventh in Connecticut in Lawrence. Uh, before we take a time out and switch over to some KU men's basketball talk, I did want to briefly mention, though, that the KU women's basketball team had a game uh, which they were trying to bounce back from the Penn State game. And kind of lethargic. They only beat UMKC, who I, I don't think they're seen as being like a great team, 70 to 61. So it seems like right now the KU women's team, they're still very much figuring out the bench. Uh, you, you don't have a lot more time to figure it out because this week's going to be tough. Friday and Saturday, Cayman Islands. Games don't. Matter? Would you be able to? I I would remove that for this week. Uh, this kind of yeah. Matters. I would say from a. It's not that they have to win no, against UConn yeah, or Virginia Tech. You got to show up though. It's a measuring right? stick week. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. if if you want to be top twenty five team, Big Twelve title contender, NCAA you tournament team show that something. can make some noise, you got to show something. Again, it doesn't mean something. you have to win either. Virginia Tech, UConn are really good. I mean, they're both top five. Programs. Right. Compete with both. Yeah. Compete with both, and uh, you know, you, you got up early, big on UMKC. Maybe you just let the foot off the gas, but. I don't know. The the bench right now, you're not getting a ton of production there and kind of a closer win than you might have expected. But overall, yeah. uh, still a winning record to start out for the KU women's basketball team. All right, let's get, switch over to some Maui Invitational talk for the KU men's basketball team. Coming up on the other side with Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. This is KLWN, KLWN.com, the KLWN app. Depend on it. Well, the Maui Invitational is going on right now. Uh, Tennessee just beat Syracuse. I, I could have sworn last time I looked at the TV, it was like a three-point game. They ended up beating him by 17, which is pretty wild. But uh, anyway, so Tennessee will be in the winner's bracket. Syracuse will be in the loser's bracket. Not that that's a surprise. Five of the top 11 in the AP poll are in this thing. Yeah. It's an unbelievable field. Yeah. Kansas fortunate that they have Chaminade tonight because their path to a title, so they're actually the betting favorite. I was, I was looking, I saw FanDuel had uh, Kansas up like plus 175. And um. I think part of being the betting favorite isn't just because they're number one. It's because the path, right? For Kansas to win it all, they need to beat two of Marquette, UCLA, Purdue, Tennessee, whoever they end up having to play, right? Meanwhile, like if you're Purdue, for Purdue to win the Maui Invitational, they have to beat Gonzaga, Tennessee, and then Kansas or Marquette or UCLA. That is a that is a heck of a run. Like, <laughs> I mean, that that's a harder run than you might have to... to Win a, yeah. a national title from the Elite Eight on. Like, it's, no, it's I, I saw some some people saying that you know the eight in this field. I mean, this this could be a better, basically a better field than what you'll have in the Elite Eight 
in March. Yeah, like, who's actually left? No, it's it's really not that crazy to say. Like it, it it's pretty wild how good this field is. So really, no down games. It's going to be tough either way through. Tonight will be a little bit different for KU with Shamanad. Um, it doesn't sound like they're going to have KJ Adams tonight. There was sad news late last week that uh, KJ Adams' mom passed away. And, and if you're unfamiliar with that story, she had been battling cancer for a little bit of time now. There was a really good piece. Highly recommend checking it out from uh, CJ Moore in The Athletic if you can. I know you can get like a free trial or like a month for a dollar or something. It's honestly worth it because it's it's an unbelievable story. So you wish him the best and, and prayers up for him and his family. Um, but you won't have him tonight. And as far as what that means for KU, obviously you're expected to win this game big anyway. K, KU is 42, 42 or something like that, 42 and a half favorites. point favorites. Uh, but that means that you have a bit smaller bench. That means you have more minutes to go around for some of those bench guys who are jockeying for more playing time, yeah. jockeying for more minutes, trying to find their feet, I think a little bit still early in the season. What do you want to see most from Kansas tonight in a game that they should overmatch the opponent? Yeah, firstly, kind of echo what you said with the thoughts of prayers for, for KJ Adams and his family. You know, can't imagine dealing with something like that. Uh, and so, you know, hopefully he's doing all right and hopefully his family's all right. But uh, for the game coming up tonight for Kansas against Shamanad, yeah, I mean, I think I think you just want to see Kansas not look too lethargic, right? I mean, you could come into this game and just think, and already be thinking about your next game without even really worrying about it and probably still win, but that's not a recipe for success long-term, right? You need to be make sure that you're focused on whoever's in front of you, the, the opponent in front of you. And and to your point, this is an opportunity for some of those other guys that are in the rotation spots to maybe earn some more playing time and and maybe a chance for Bill Self to, to sort of experiment with more lineups, right? I mean... You look at the Kentucky game, dude, there were some wacky, weird lineups out there at various times during that Kentucky game. And I think that's one of the things that I've always uh, admired, I think, about Bill Self is he's not afraid to just throw out, throw stuff out there and see what happens uh, in terms of lineups. So, uh, you know, I'll be curious to see what that looks like tonight against Chaminade and guys like Hunter Dickinson and, and DeWan Harris probably going to get theirs. Kevin McClure is probably going to have a big game, but you know, what if this is a game where a guy like Jamar McDowell gets to play 12 minutes or 15 minutes? Yeah. What does that look like? Uh, what, you know, Nick Timberlake, does he get a chance to maybe settle in a little bit more and, and maybe find his game a little bit, which he hasn't really been able to do up to this point in the season? El Marco Jackson, does, do things start to maybe click for him a little bit and he can build his confidence going forward in Maui? So there's there's a lot of stuff to look forward to in this game, I think, for Kansas and an opportunity to, to see some of those younger guys get tuned up and, and still – for Kansas, hopefully comfortably move in to the next round of the Maui Invitational uh, and and move forward and and you know hopefully I think KJ Adams he joined the team I believe yeah it uh, sounds like he flew in no I think he flew in today or today but he's not expected to play yeah, tonight yeah. yeah but could be back but you know for tomorrow for yeah. tomorrow or Wednesday so that's that's good news for Kansas uh, certainly and and uh, again like you said this is not like a game where you really needed need him necessarily to to hopefully win big. So certainly his his uh, you know personal mental health is mo- what's most important with how he everything he's doing. So, but yeah, I, I mean, this is a game where you figure Hunter Dickinson is going to have a significant size advantage. You figure Dewan Harris is going to be able to 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 do his thing, and Kevin McCuller hopefully can can you know I mean we didn't really touch on it that much. Kevin McCuller had the most underwhelming triple double of all time <laughs> against Kentucky. So uh, he's obviously still playing at a high level. And then, again, you look to the bench guys. You know, Jamar McDowell, Johnny Furphy, uh, Marco, and Nick Timberlake. All those guys should have an opportunity to play a little bit more. And 
get a little bit more involved and uh, maybe build some confidence a little bit. So, yeah, I I want to see if Johnny Furphy can get back to it. I want to see if Kansas can get back to hitting threes. Um, I want to see, yeah, Jamari McDowell play more and Marco Jackson look comfortable and Nick Timberlake look comfortable, right? It's it's a game more about that. Shamanad uh, doesn't have a lot of size. They uh, their center is six foot nine. And that is their tallest player on the team. They have three six nine guys. Hunter Dickinson's gonna have another like efficient dominant game where he probably has like twenty four minutes played, eighteen points, eight rebounds on you know, eight of eleven shooting or something like that. Um so he's gonna dominate in this game. But yeah, I, I want to see what that starting lineup is without KJ Adams. I want to see what those bench players can bring to the table. We know what you're gonna get from Dewan Harris and Kevin McCuller and Hunter Dickinson and Big Well. If Hunter Dickinson tries. No, I mean like in, in big moments. Once we talk oh, okay, about the big yeah, moments. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we don't know what we're going to get from the other guys. And yeah. yes, this game doesn't necessarily train. Like if Jamari McDowell goes for 11 points tonight, that doesn't necessarily translate to him all of a sudden now going off for Marquette or UCLA. But it makes you feel a little bit better that he's starting to trend up in the right way, right? Because yeah. if you think about it this way, you know, yes, you can't have over – I don't know, grandiose takeaways from this type of game if this goes well or that goes well, because most things should go well in this game. But what you can compare is saying, hey, this KU player played really well. This KU player looked average, because guess what? At the end of the day, even though that competition isn't indicative of your future games, it is the same competition that the other guy that you're playing against to try to get more minutes played against too. So from that standpoint, it's the same like test subject in that yeah. way. So I want to see which bench players kind of bounce back from the Kentucky game in terms of not really playing well in that game and, and can they get back to what they looked like in the first two games, which I fully expect them to do. At what point are you going to be concerned about Nick Timberlake? Oh, that's a good question. Um, Like, like, I think you know, we got a bit he, of a ways to go. If he doesn't really hardly play at all or do much like, throughout the whole this, Maui. Yeah, right. Are you concerned coming out of Maui? I would start to be more concerned. I Talk to me in so two I weeks. Think, I think, right? I think, you get I think Maui and a, then you get UConn next Friday, right? Yeah, I think this is kind of a two-faceted question. The first, the first question is, the first part of it is, how concerned are you about Nick Timberlake individually as a shooter and like what – you know, is he going to be able to play with his defense? You know, mm-hmm. can he get going? But I think the other kind of interesting aspect of that question is, what if you just don't really need him as a shooter? Like, what if Johnny Furphy and Kevin McCuller and Hunter Dickinson and Dewan Harris, what if that's all good enough and you don't even really need him in that role? I mean, what, I mean... It comes tough for him to get playing time. That's what I'm saying, exactly. Because at this, at this point, for Nick Timberlake, his, uh, he is your three-point specialist... And he can't really do much else, it would seem. But if he continues to struggle and all of a sudden Kevin McCullough is shooting 35%, Dewan Harris is shooting more consistently, regularly, and knocking him down at, at you know mid-30s percent. Hunter Dickinson is is you know hitting at a pretty high clip at maybe a lower volume. And then Johnny Furphy comes off and he's shooting the ball well. And maybe you know El Marco Jackson contributes a little bit. Then the question becomes. Do you even need Nick Timberlake to be that guy? You know, I mean, a, a month ago or even a couple weeks ago, the answer to that question of do you Nick, need Nick Timberlake to be that guy was a resounding yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, you need him to be that. What if it turns out that maybe you kind of don't? Then what's his role? It's a wonderful question. Um, I think part of that, like, it's almost like, okay, if Johnny Furphy and Jamari McDowell are hitting a bunch of threes, 
then theoretically their value becomes more and the minutes go down for Nick Timberlake and go up for those guys. So, Correct. like, it's it's part of a two-part question. It's not just what is Nick Timberlake doing and is he hitting his threes and what are the other guys doing. It's it's what are the guys he's in competition with doing, too. So, I don't know. I, th- I think, you know, Johnny Furphy to me remains the most interesting in terms of I think he can get to a really high level that can help this team. But maybe for the short term, for this next week or two, Jamari McDowell is the guy, at least for, for the next two days, in terms of we saw him get in at the I end mean, of the game. He was reliable Yeah, at the end of the Kentucky game. Does that become something where Bill Self gives him a longer leash? You almost have to give him a longer leash tonight. You have eight scholarship players, right? Yeah. Um, in a game that you're projected to win by 40-plus. So I think that's very interesting. Now, moving forward, beyond this game with, with Chaminade, okay. uh, some interesting possible matchups to come. You expect them to win. Uh, either way, you're playing either Marquette or UCLA, depending on what happens with you and depending on what happens with them in that game. Uh, then after that, uh, you know, if, you, if you're in the championship game or the third place game, you would get either Tennessee, Gonzaga, or Purdue. We know at this point. What I guess future matchups intrigue you mo- most? What future potential matchups maybe would scare you the most? What future potential matchups would you most want to see? I, I don't know. What are you most interested in the rest of the field? I think Marquette is possibly the scariest. Marquette or Gonzaga, I yep. would think. Uh, it's it's interesting with Gonzaga because it feels like they're sliding under the radar. Oh, it's nobody's talking. Scary, about. yeah, nobody. Which is nobody a scary is place to be for a program a... that's been like really good. You know, yes. <laughs> Marquette plays kind of a five-out type, so that that could be an issue, right? Uh, I would love to see how a team that plays that way would try to run Hunter Dickinson off the floor. I would mm-hmm. love to see what that looks like, and I would love to see how KU would respond to that. Right? I mean, who's to say that if in a game like that, if Bill Self doesn't say okay? KJ Adams back at the five, and now all of a sudden you're playing, you know, back to what you were doing last year. Good for stretches. I mean, so, then they're not going to completely abandon. Oh, obviously not. But right. yeah, 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 obviously not. But, but uh, yeah, I think Marquette and Gonzaga are the two matchups that most scare me slash intrigue me. Uh, I like the idea of Hunter Dickinson playing Zach mm-hmm. Eady with Kansas. I saw I that'd be uh, fun. They they. They posted BetMGM has like the updated Wooden Award odds, and it was like number one Zach Eady, number two is Hunter Dickinson, so you could possibly get that matchup. Um, number four, I want to say, was Donovan Klingon, who you're going to get. Oh, Klingon! Yeah, in about what week and a half at this point, uh, yeah. when you come back home in a couple weeks, uh, and then number six, I want to say, was Tyler Kolek, who is the point guard for Marquette. So I mean, you could have a collection of all these National Player of the Year candidates playing against Kansas. So I mean, like. I'd go this far. If if Kansas wins the Maui Invitational title, yes. and let's say we get Kansas-Purdue in the final, and Kansas beats Purdue, okay. and probably at that point both Edie and Dickinson would have good stat lines, but Kansas would win the, the matchup. I think the helium would be on Hunter Dickinson National Player of the Year at that point. I agree. I agree with that. So he's got a chance to be like the early favorite, which yeah. I, I think that's what makes that one super intriguing for me, and also to see how he goes up. I mean, Zach Eady's last year's national player there. I do not want to play Tennessee. No, all. I do not want to play Tennessee. That would be such a boring storyline. Muck game, the game up. Boring game. I think they're also really good. It would be so frustrating to watch. Do you have nightmares from last year's battle uh, for Atlantis? We just, I mean, not really. No, just because. I mean, what what is there to have nightmares about? Ku just got blasted. Yeah. It was the weird so, game where Dewan fouled out in like 19 minutes or something? Yeah, so I just don't want to play Tennessee. They're not they're not fun. Tennessee's not fun to watch. <laughs> they boring. They're annoying. I don't want, don't I don't don't give me that. Don't give me that. You're 
it's close to happening. I mean, they already won their first game, right? I mean, increases the don't possibility. Give me, don't give me Tennessee. <laughs> Uh, Marquette again, I think is the most interesting. Yeah, that's the one that I don't think Marquette's the best team. I don't, I don't know yet. that much about UCLA. So UCLA you. brought in a ton of kids from overseas. They have a young team. They have a ton of size. They've got this big man from Spain who's seven three. I think Mara. They've got the Adem Bona kid back who's a really good defender oh, yeah, and good yeah. big man. Yep. I mean, they're playing like a six ten power forward too. They have a lot of size. They have a young team though. Defense has been excellent for them to start, which is typically the case with Mick Cronin. They are right now shooting twenty four percent from three. So that doesn't seem very good. I think if you're if you're pegging like again, I don't think Marquette's the best team in this field, but I think Marquette poses the toughest challenge for KU. I guess would be the way I put it. That's I mean, they possible. they have an All American point guard who's a National Player of the Year candidate, and Tyler Kolek. So like your advantage that you have most games, Dewan Harris against the opposing point guard it kind of becomes a wash. Like, he's going to be able to handle himself. He's a really good player. And yeah. then they play Oso Igadoro. He hasn't shot any threes this year, but they play him five out. They space the floor. Yeah. He passes. They'll run the offense through him. He'll dribble. He'll hand, you know, to, to where it makes you open up driving lanes and open up the three-point game. It's just that one's scary from, like, a stylistic matchup of how you'd be able to defend it. But maybe it'd be good for Kansas to play that type of team for, like, a learning curve this early on in the season. So, like, if you're rooting for KU's best path, you probably should root for UCLA tonight against Marquette. I would think so, yeah. Um, Because, yeah, like I said, like, again, I think Purdue is a better team than Marquette, but I think Marquette's a tougher matchup for KU. Dude, Purdue stinks in tournaments. They're terrible. They're probably going to lose to Gonzaga. It would have been funny if we matched up. I honestly, they should have made Purdue play Chaminade for for the giggles if they would have lost like the Fairleigh Dickinson game. There's no Could you way. Imagine? There's no way they would have lost to Chaminade. But there would have been the there would have been all the uh, the comparisons from when Chaminade upset uh, number one Virginia back in like the 80s. Do you, do you know about this? Mm-hmm. So back in like the 80s, or maybe this was yeah, was this yeah 80s? Ralph Sampson was on Virginia, and if you don't know who Ralph Sampson is. He was basically I, I Zach Eady of his time. Yeah, I know he was like a seven-five center, and Virginia was ranked number one in the country, and they lost to Chaminade. How funny would that have been if it repeated history with forty years later? Oh, you said eighty-two. Nineteen eighty-two. So forty-one years later, that would have been really funny. I think they should have done that, but you know, you can't complain because for Kansas, that that makes it a little bit easier, um, kind of working into this tournament here. So we'll see. I I think that um, there's a real chance you go two and one here. Right over the course of this tournament, yeah, it's not a knock, right? It's just the, the field's hard, right? It, it's yeah. gonna be hard. Only one team's gonna go three and zero, and there's a lot of elite teams here. Now, Kansas is the favorite to go three and zero, so if you're pegging teams with the best likelihood of going three and zero, it is Kansas, right? Yeah. My point is, if they go two and one, don't freak out. Don't freak out. Um, I don't think anybody will freak out as long as the uh, one is not Shaman. Uh, we'll see. Yeah, as long as the one's not Shaman. Would that be better for the resume? If the one was Shamanad, because that doesn't count as a quad anything, win or loss. They're a D2 school. Mm, I'm sure they would so count So do you actually want four, to right? lose to Shamanad no, on they purpose? No, they would call it quad four. No, it doesn't count as a quad four. Do they actually want to lose to Shamanad on purpose? I feel like they would so still, That way they have a better chance at quad I, one wins in the consolation. I feel deck. like they would still call it quad four. <laughs> right? They make a new quad. They make a new just qu- for quad the, five. Yeah, quad five. Kansas is the only team with a quad five loss. It's like them quad and Louisville six. for losing to that D2 team. In quad seven. <laughs> I mean, how uh, many by the quads way, do we? I, mean, I was looking at. Wait uh, a second. It can't be quad five because quad mm-hmm. is four. So it oh, have to be. Yeah, they'd have to come up with a whole new, <laughs> whole new uh, whatever their quadrants would be. You know, fifths or whatever it would be. Um, it has to be like the penta 
<laughs> the Penta Penta Five. That's so stupid. The, the no, uh, I was looking Nets. at the Massey ratings, which it's not like a perfect rating system, um, but it's you know it 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 can get you somewhere. Uh, Fort Hayes State. Remember, I made that comment earlier this year. I was like, you know, I'm telling you, Fort Hayes State's like a really good D2 school. Yeah, they're 16th on the Massey ratings for D2 schools. I think there's like 200 and something D2 schools. Okay, Shamanad is like 170th. <laughs> Kansas should roll tonight. So they're a bad D2 school. Yes, exactly. Good offense, good three-point shooting team, not good defensive team, not good rebounding team. Not well, a lot of size. That's bad when you're playing a team that yes. has Hunter Dickinson. That's right. All right, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We'll get to some more KU basketball talk, more KU football talk coming throughout the show. Coming up next, though, let's get to our Chiefs-Eagles preview. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, it's Derek Johnson from Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN, and despite sitting around in a studio all day, I feel loose and limber thanks to Massage Envy and their total body stretch service. If you have aches from a day at the office, working out, maybe a round of golf, Massage Envy can help. All you need to do is relax and breathe deep during the stretches, and they'll take it from there. It's great for your body and your mind, and they also have rapid tension services and advanced skin care. Massage Envy on 6th Street in Lawrence and 119th in Black Bob in Aletha. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You're listening on KLWN. Plenty more KU football, KU basketball talk throughout the show here on RCST, which is brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery. So uh, we're not going to have a show Thursday and Friday this week, so I just wanted to get some... Uh, we'll, Wait, we'll what? More, Why? Yeah, Thanksgiving and all that oh. stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, okay, nice, yeah. I did want to get some KU Cincinnati thoughts in here early, just in case we don't have a show Wednesday, too. Um, so it's it's got to be hard, I'd imagine, if you're Kansas, because... We, we talked about this after the Oklahoma win. When they played Iowa State, it was going to be difficult to come off a win like that, come back down to earth, and perform the next week, especially on the road at night. They did. They passed it with flying colors at yeah. Iowa State. Yeah, This is kind of the same idea, just from the opposite spectrum. When you come off an emotional loss, senior day, emotions are at an all-time high, losing a game to your rival... And and you you poured in out close fashion yes close fashion where you poured out everything you had on the field and then you come up short. Sometimes that can be a bit of an energy suck for the next week. You know, like for instance, we talked about this earlier today. Like it, it's such a defeating loss. If you walked into work today feeling defeated from the KU loss, okay, now imagine you're a player and you have to get prepared for the next week's game. Right? Yeah. They don't have that luxury, so it can be difficult. Um, in a in a game like this for KU, Cincinnati's played a lot better at home this season. Now Cincinnati has not been very good; they're only three and eight on the year. But again, they've played better at home. They had close losses to teams like Oklahoma, which um, certainly raises your eyebrows a little bit. Um, so I don't know what what are kind of your early thoughts, concerns, uh, things you, you expect them to do well in in the game that that's uh, on the road to finish out the regular season. Yeah, I mean to your point, at home they lose by two to UCF, close game. They should have probably beat Baylor at home. Mm-hmm. They ended up losing that one. They did get beat pretty badly by Iowa State at home, but they had the Oklahoma game. They lost in overtime against uh, Miami, Ohio earlier in the season. So they have been better at home. And as as we know, KU has been conversely not as good on the road. I mean, point blank. They just mm-hmm. haven't, right? The defense has not been good. We talked about the numbers. The numbers between home and away for the defense are pretty significant in terms of... And the Iowa State game helped, but yeah. in the last two weeks have not helped at home, but yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, so 
I, I, I don't know. I, I think this is a game where, I mean, listen, dude, okay. We mentioned this before the season even kicked off, that this Cincinnati game was going to be the most puzzling game, the game where maybe you didn't really know the most going into it, what to expect, and coming off the K-State game, it could have been, you know, who know, you know, right? Who knows? Sure. And I think that all remains true now uh, with this game uh, against Cincinnati because Lance Leipold said, you know, said, hey, they're they're a team that's better than their record, and that might be true. But and I guess something that had, was an issue previously in early in the season for Kansas that has not really bubbled up for them has been uh, rushing quarterbacks. Now, Will Howard had some rushes late in the game against Kansas against. KU this past Saturday that helped Kansas State, but Cincinnati is Emory Jones, and he's been not very good, but he can run. So got like 500 rushing yards. Yeah. So what you know? Okay, you got a game plan for that, and be prepared for that. But yeah, I mean, I think the big storyline in this game is just is it is it safe to assume that Jason Bean is going to start? Are you willing to Are you willing to assume that? I feel comfortable that he will because think about it. If he was dressed and good to play, they just didn't play him because of practice time. Shouldn't that – Lance Leipold also said he practiced today. Okay. That's kind of where I'm going. I, I'm expecting okay. him. Okay. You feel now, what do, you, what do you make of this? Uh, we'll play the Lance Leipold audio from today on tomorrow's show. We don't have time for it today. But he also said today he threw in a nugget at the end. He was like, keep in mind, Jalen Daniels could still play in this game and reserve his red shirt. Do you view that as him just throwing a grenade into the He's media and being like, grenade, I'm going to make um, myself laugh at how you guys deal with this? Or do you think that was Dude, a hint of what's to come? What did you tell me last week? Jalen Daniels did dress in the what K-State game. did you tell me I said a lot of things. Week. I don't know. What specifically? You said something along the lines of, if Jason Bean or whatever, whatever KU said last week, does not come true on the game on Saturday. I'm done ever believing anything they say about the quarterbacks ever again. <laughs> that is a good point. And here you I said am that. falling back in the trap. You said that. I did say that. Okay, so I guess I have to be so done believing So you have to be anything. done believing. So question everything. Say. Correct. Okay. Yes. So I'm just going to go off own gut feel. Jason question B. everything. Assume nothing. Okay, so I'm going to question the Jalen Daniels stuff. Leave it alone. Um, I'm, I'm just, just gonna... going off what you said. You no, said I, I agree. Yeah, you know what? Thank you for reminding me. I need to be a man <laughs> of my word. Uh, I'm just going to go gut feel. Jason Bean starts this Saturday. I I would think Jason Bean probably is going to start, but and people may people may think I'm crazy for saying this, but I don't think it's a guarantee. I really don't. I don't think it's a guarantee at all. I would not be shocked at all if Cole Ballard is is starting and or playing. Uh, I I mean, Cole and the thing with Cole Ballard, interestingly enough, is that he has only come in on at home games. We haven't seen him on the road yet. Yeah. So if he does play on the road, what is that going to look like? We don't know. I don't know. It's tough to say. Uh, but uh, I, I feel good about Kansas in this game against Cincinnati. Uh, I'll be curious to see what the line is. What 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 uh, Vegas? I guess that was saying. six and a half. Six and a half. Up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I I feel pretty good. I just, dude. I mean, coming off a loss like that to to Kansas State. I mean, how quickly can you move on from that? Really, seriously, it's tough. I understand, you know, with Lance Leipold, that's that's like his thing. That's like that's like the staff's thing. Of, okay, that's done. On to the next, right? But I don't care how many times you say that and how many times you you know you you try to move forward off of it. There's got to be some guys in that locker room 
There's got to be some guys in that facility that are still thinking, man, that sucked. Yeah, and, and like so how I do said, you get, they attacked you, practice today. And, yeah, I mean, you know, how do you get past that? But it's it's very hard. It's very hard from the human, uh, I guess, emotional side of things. Sure. How you do that. So sure. I uh, I don't have the answer to that. It's just something you kind of wait and see, right? It's it's not something you can really predict. If if we are to look at the evidence from this year, we would say, well, they did it against Iowa State, and again, opposite side of things. So maybe yeah. that gives you good evidence they can do it. But you know, when you look at Cincinnati, the thing is, even though they're three and eight, they do have like good players. This isn't like a three and eight Nevada team where it's like you should smash them. And that was a seven point game, even right. <laughs> um, but like they have bad example. Yeah, they, bad they have example. two good receivers. They've got a good running back. Kiner is is really good. He's he's just not going to get a ton of shine with postseason awards because the team success. But he's he's really good with the ball in his hands. Um, I mean, yeah. listen, this is a team that's how many years removed from the college world playoff? Like what two, three, three? two, three? Like that. Yeah, it's only two or three. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the offensive line, like the right tackle, has really struggled this year. The right guard has been excellent. The other guys are solid. Like they're fine. And then you look at the defense, and like you know, Dante Corleone is one of the best defensive linemen in the country and they have a really good three-man front up high so like you know they're they're interesting players here they're going to be playing on senior night um there's two ways to look about how their last game went which was uh at West Virginia last week they lost 42 to 21 you could look at that and say okay they, they've kind of you know given up a bit at the end of the season you could also look at that and say okay now they're going to be refocused to you know get that bad taste out of their mouth this week so I expect this to be a close game it's one where I view as like as long as Kansas avoids self-inflicted mistakes, too many of them, they should be fine. But after we saw the at Oklahoma State game, after we saw last week against uh, Kansas State, after we saw some of the mistakes you made in the red zone against Texas Tech, you can't go into this week with the certainty to be like, oh, but I'm sure they're not going to make those mistakes. You, you don't yeah. know. Yeah, and the big thing that I look for is, and I, I mentioned this to you off air as well, is that in the losses that Kansas has suffered this season, it's been the offense fading in the second half. Mm-hmm. Fading significantly in the second half. Specifically, the Oklahoma State and the Kansas State losses. You've got to find a way to put together a, a, a game plan if you're Andy Kolnicki to where you can still find success even beyond that. Because this is the type of game where if you're Cincinnati and you look up at the scoreboard and you're you know in the third or fourth quarter and it's a one-possession game, that's only going to serve to inspire those guys even more. Right, so if you're Kansas, you want to make sure that you've separated already by that point. And one of the ways you could you do that is by continuing to to be successful into the second half, which is something that they haven't done in their losses on offense specifically. So I would like to see uh, Kansas do a little bit more of in terms of overall throughout the game, because you look at the Oklahoma State game that they lost on the road. What happened? Jason B went nuclear in the first half. They didn't score in the second half. Then you go to the K-State game this this past Saturday. Four straight touchdown drives that encompassed the you know the second quarter and the first drive of the third quarter, and then nothing after that. You've got to get something out of your offense later in games. Now some of that, when you look at when you when you look at the K-State game and even like the Texas Tech game, some of that I think has to do with the fact that you've got an inexperienced quarterback in there, and as the game moves on, the pressure ratchets up. So. I kind of get it, but you got to find a way to get points later in games. Yeah, you do. And I don't know what the answer is there. I don't. I don't know if it's. I don't know adjusting to the adjustments. I don't know if it's you know you're you're still cultivating your depth in the program. So 
games go on. I don't know if it has to do with, you know, you're, you're on your third string quarterback. I don't know if it's just happenstance, whatever it is. But you're right. You, you have to be able to finish in uh, some of those moments a little bit better. So uh, should be a tough one on Saturday, KU-Cincinnati. And again, the opening line is KU minus six and a half. We'll get to some Lance Leipold pregame audio ahead of the Cincinnati game on tomorrow's show. We have some postgame audio with Lance Leipold we're going to share later in the show and some postgame player audio with Devin Neal and Cole Ballard. We'll get to that on the other side. And then we'll get to some more uh, KU basketball talk coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Some more KU football talk coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. So plenty more coming at you here on RC. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. We got KU basketball tonight at 6.30 for pregame and tip-off at 8 o'clock between Kansas and Chaminade. More to come after this timeout. 5 o'clock hour, you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Coming up in about an hour and a half here on KLWN and our sister station 105.9 KISS, you can listen to pregame coverage for Kansas versus Chaminade with tip-off at 8 o'clock to kick off the Maui Invitational for KU Basketball. Who? Uh, the Silver Swords, I want to say. Is that the mascot? When? Cool mascot name. 8 o'clock. I already said that. Listen. Where? Maui. I already said that. Well, actually, no, it's in Honolulu, so that'd be a lie. Um, so we'll do, we'll do our uh, Rock Chalk Pick-A-Hawk coming up in our KU basketball game picks coming up in our next segment. I want to talk a little more about the KU-K State football game. As we do after games, we get to our, uh, I guess, KU takeaways, our biggest positives, negatives, neutrals, play the game, all that sort of stuff. Let's start right there. What, as, as hard as it is to get around to, because you <laughs> lost by four in a game that you felt, I don't know, so so dismantled about after, uh, what was the biggest positive for you in the KU-K State game? To me, I think there's one very obvious thing to choose here. And that is none other than Mr. Lawrence himself, Devin Neal. Mm. Oh, I thought I you mean, were going to say David Lawrence, and I was like, "Yeah, he does. He does a great job on the games." <laughs> no, uh, good shout out there. No. Yeah, okay. De- Devin Neal. I mean, I said it in the start of the show that was shaping up to be a Devin Neal statue building legacy game. If he goes out and wins, three rushing touchdowns, over 130, over 130 yards. I mean that 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 was going to be his legacy game. That was going to be the legacy game. That was going to be highlights of him doing that in yeah. 30 years. He's like already we see top of, five in rushing yards at KU. He's got a good chance with the rest of the season to get into the top four. Yes. He's one of three backs all time at KU to have back-to-back 1,000-yard rushing seasons. And if he does come back next year, not something I'm necessarily expecting, but if he does, he's going to be on pace to break the all-time career rushing record for KU. Yeah. So, And then you add that to that, the equation. to me, was the biggest positive. is That was a dude that would not be denied. Would not be denied. Would not be stopped. And uh, it, that's and when you lose like that, that's what makes that's what that's where you really feel bad. It's like, man, dude. There's just, nothing more he could have done. There really isn't. Brutal, yeah. So that's my biggest positive. I mean, that he is incredible. By far, I think now the best running back in the conference. I don't even think it's up for debate right now. I mean, Ollie Gordon's obviously been great, but. I think Devin Neal's better. It's it's an interesting debate. I mean, Ollie Gordon gets more carries than Devin Neal does, and so it's going to inflate the numbers. Like, Neal is having to rotate with Daniel Hyshaw. Um, Jonathan Brooks has been excellent, and he breaks so many tackles, but um, out, for the year now. out for the year now. It sucks when, when you look at some of the numbers when it's like broken tackles, and you see Taj Brooks is like number one in the country, and Jonathan Brooks, before he got injured, was you know top three, top five. Uh, Devin Neal doesn't pop up on those lists as much because – 
A lot of his quote-unquote broken tackles are cuts. pre-made. Yeah, they're yeah. cuts to avoid yes. even getting touched, yes. you know? Correct. So he doesn't yes. get credit for him, but, like, he, he's so good, man. He's so, so good. Yeah. Enjoy what you have of him. Who knows? I mean, theoretically, theoretically, if Devin Neal's going to go pro at the end of the year, the Cincinnati game could be his last game. I mean, we, we didn't see anybody opt out for KU last year in the bowl game, and I don't know if anybody would opt out this year because of how much the bowl game would mean to the program and if they could get a bowl win. But theoretically... And again, this is not me saying I know anything. Like, I don't know. Devin Neal might come back next year and play all those games anyway. Theoretically, enjoy this Cincinnati game because for all you know, in the state of college football, this could be the last time you see him. So enjoy it. Enjoy it while you can, I guess is the the, the bottom line of that. But yeah, I mean, that that is a huge positive here. Man, thanks for that. 138 and three touchdowns. Um, he, he was unbelievable. Uh, I, I could also go with the fact that, I guess big picture, right? Remove yourself from how gut-wrenching the loss was because it felt like you were the better team and you made too many mistakes and you did this and blah, 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 right? Remove yourself from that and remove yourself from the fact that you lost your rival and, and it was a game you could have won, all this stuff. If I were just to say that Kansas had a third-string quarterback, and keep in mind, there is a list of Power 5 teams that I, I researched today. There are five Power 5 teams that have had three quarterbacks or more throw 35-plus passes this year. Arizona State, Cal, Texas Tech, Texas A&M, Kansas. Arizona State's at four, so that's even worse for them. But among those five teams, Kansas has the best record. They're seven and four, tied with Texas A&M. Tech's six and five. Cal's five and six. Arizona State's three and eight. It is hard to win in college football with a backup. It's even harder to win with their third string. And you nearly won a game against a top 25 opponent who's ranked in the top 15 in metric sites with a third string quarterback. You continue to close the gap in this series. Yes, there are no more moral victories. Yes, you should have won the game in a lot of different ways, but there is still a positive to take away from that in just the big picture nature of the program. And yes, it would feel like a gut punch if you lose to Cincinnati and you lose your bowl game and you finish on a four-game losing streak, but you still have a winning season secured. You still are going up in your win total for the third straight year. Like, there are so many positives uh, to have here. What is the biggest negative, though, from the oh, game? dude. <laughs> Oh, man, I don't even know. I mean, <laughs> I almost just want to say just the loss in the last game at the booth like that. Just everything about it. I don't know. Can I say that? Is that fair? I don't know. I can't. I, I just, just the whole thing, man, the whole thing. The whole thing just sucked. It was not fun. It was just, uh, I don't even know how to put it into words, to be honest. It just, it's just miserable. Uh, so yeah, it's just really bad. It took one last trip to the uh, bathrooms mm-hmm. with the uh, what do you want to call those things? The the troughs. Yeah, the trough. That's a good word. <laughs> I was gonna say the trenches, but that's definitely not the right word. Where uh, you know you just that hey, you, boys become men when you when you when you go in when you when you go to those. So you know, took a trip in there. That was less- important for you. You wanted to say goodbye to those. That feels like the ultimate moment of like graduation <laughs> goggles, not realizing that okay, I'm I'm not gonna miss that at all. Uh hey, another big negative if you were at the stadium was the entire I I swear to you, the entire stadium ran out of beer. Yes. At, like that was very at, fast. like in like the second quarter. Dude, also like speaking of the bathrooms, I will say the lines for the bathroom of that game, it it might have taken you 20, 30 minutes. <laughs> there was one point where I, I know Which, listen, there were certain people, people that were leaving at halftime, not even to go back to their tailgate or get beer. They were just going back to their tailgate, not even their tailgate. They were just leaving the stadium to go use the porta potty outside as a quicker line and then come back in. Yeah, 
Yeah. So, and listen, for some people, the biggest negative might have been that they ran out of beer in the second quarter. Yeah. I don't know. That <laughs> might have been the big negative for some people. By the uh, way, I would love to hear if if you have a good story about what you did after the game to drown your sorrows, or you know, I would love to hear it at RCST thirteen twenty or email us RCST thirteen twenty AM at gmail dot com and, and you let know, us I know did? what you did after the game. Yeah. I sadly trudged out, and then th- this was I don't, this was annoying. K State had all their stupid buses parked right outside the exit on the what would that be the the east the side? east side the southeast corner i think side the by the union right yeah yeah side by the, where the practice side. fields are where yeah, yeah, practice fields. Side. yeah. Oh, southeast side. outdoor practice fields or indoor practice outdoor fields? okay yeah outdoor. East side. So, that's southeast side yeah so southeast yeah they had all their buses parked out out there and all these people like and it was a lot of ku fans were trying to get out and they were trying to exit and then go to the right towards the hill where a lot of people had like you know tailgates and whatnot they were going after the game well inexplicably the stadium or whoever whoever was responsible for it blocked that off and oh. said if you want to get to the hill you have to walk all the way around and so i trudged my miserable sad terrible self all the way around and then i got in my car i drove home and i went to sleep <laughs> i it was i went straight I'm to, surprised i didn't do you didn't do any uh, depressed raising canes no that would have been a good move for you no i think that would have cheered up well, i don't even know if they bit. were open <laughs> Are they open past 11 o'clock know. or whatever? Probably not. The, the, also, quick side, uh-huh. quick side note on that. Actually, speaking of that, dude, every fast food restaurant that was still open had like minimum 15 cars in line. I swear to you. I swear. I drove past two McDonald's. I drove past Freddy's. <laughs> I drove past Wendy's. Sonic. Burger King. Didn't matter. Minimum 15 cars in line. And if there's one thing that I will not do, I will not wait in line. <laughs> for bad for fast food. I won't do it. I'm not going to do it. It's supposed to be fast food. Exactly. Not, Thank you. Line food. Right? Um, oh, d- thank you. Anyway, yes. Th- this has taken quite the uh, <laughs> the, the dive into something else. Um, <laughs> I, I think the biggest, uh, biggest negative is the special teams, I think, for me. I mean, the biggest negative big picture is just that you lost a game that you should have won in this series and you should have ended the streak. And now yeah, it's like, oh, great. Like the biggest negative is to just... Play- the biggest thing is just a loss. Yeah, and now it's like, oh, great. Now next year you have to play in Manhattan. Yeah, like uh, that's definitely. And Will Howard can be back for another year. And then after that, you have to deal with Avery Johnson. And after next year, you're going to be losing like all these players. So, you know, it, it's going to depend how well you develop these guys. Like there are a lot more roster questions. Yeah. So, yeah. It, like I said, this was like, always. When will the streak end? When this will was it end? always the year. This was always right. the year that you needed to get it done because it was going to be your last time at the booth with all these seniors. With a lot, and the other part of it was, I think it would have meant even more for this year because guys like Kenny Logan and Mason Fairchild, you know, we talked about it leading into the game. Those are guys that have been here through thick and thin. They've seen it all. They've seen the lows. They've seen the lowest of lows, and they've now enjoyed the fruits of their labor and the and the fruits of sticking around and trusting in this program. And then Lance Leipold comes in and everything. And again, it, it felt like a win would have officially closed the book on the previous era of Kansas football. And instead, hanging on by a thread. It's somehow, <laughs> some way, you can't escape it. No, it's horrible. You cannot escape it. Um, but yeah, I mean, in, in, that that's big picture. Like in in this individual game, it's the special teams because this has been the the field goal or the, I guess the PAT blocks. This isn't just something that just popped up. That popped up in the UCF game, right? And Oklahoma State. I know that's what I'm saying. But the UCF the first time. Oh, the UCF that was what week five. 
KU's fifth game? Yes. They blo- game? Oh, they had a two-point that they blocked and ran back too, right? Yes. Yeah. And then Oklahoma State, you just had one blocked. They didn't run it back, right? But then you botched another one. And then you botched another one. So, like, this is something that has been happening botch, for the last— did you, did you botch two others in that game? Well, there was one other. They just went for two to try to make oh, it for okay, the points. okay, 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 okay. This is now something that has been happening going back six games, I believe. And you still haven't corrected it. That's a problem. The Trevor Wilson punt return stuff, he did muff a punt earlier in the year. He also had the big explosive punt return touchdown against UCF. So, like, well, it's and even hard going, to blame. Even going back beyond this season, but he's he had, had trouble. Yes, he's had trouble fielding punts and catching footballs, right? We, we even saw the, the Texas one where he dropped the pass. So, like, that has not been distracting. That's something that they've almost just get, like, you basically, by having Trevor Wilson as your punt returner, you're basically saying we're understanding there's a bigger risk we're going to drop one, but we it's, also have a bigger yeah, risk of it's a risk bigger reward. reward of him busting one for a touchdown. 100%. That's kind of what you're going with there. So, I don't know. Special teams overall is is the biggest negative for, for me there. Uh, what is the biggest neutral of the game? This may upset some people. Mm. I was going to say your guy, Damon Greaves. I Damon? Mean, he, he had Damon, a pretty good game. Damon was solid. Dude, three points, all three of his punts in the 20? Yeah. Yes. I guess maybe that would that would be that a would positive. be not that's a negative. Not even, yeah, that, yeah, well, that, not neutral. a neutral. Not that wouldn't even be neutral. neutral. What if I said the quarterbacks biggest neutral? I think that's fair. Yeah, Will Howard, thirteen to twenty four, one hundred sixty five yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Cole Ballard, eleven of sixteen, one hundred sixty two yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. Yeah, that's the biggest neutral. I mean, Will Howard did have the rushing touchdown. Cole Ballard, although Cole Ballard finished with 55 yards rushing, too. By the way, I, I I just thought of another positive I want to quickly bring up, going back to that. KU ran for 234, 5.7 yards per carry. A, a big part of that is Devin Neal. But they had struggled running the ball against teams running 3-3-5s. Uh, they figured it out in this speed game. Option. But anyway, yeah. The speed option was what mm-hmm. I think is what helped them. But, yeah, I'm going to go biggest neutral quarterback play. Will Howard, I don't think, I think, out, that's right. I don't think Will Howard outplayed Cole Ballard at all. I think Will Howard was good. I don't think he was great. Do you think, think he outplayed Cole Ballard? Yes. Really? Yes. If he throws a pick six, how could you say that? He didn't throw a pick six. If Rich Miller catches it, he would have. Oh, that actually, that's a good point. Because I'm looking at it now, the QBR has Will Howard at an 82.7, which is higher than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. He ended up with three total touchdowns, though. You know, and he and he was good for them on money plays. Like, think about it. Their first touchdown of the game was a third down. Inside like the fifteen, they hit also Benson got failed out by a holding call when he overthrew his guy by ten yards. Yeah, on the fourth down, that that was a bad call. Um, but he was he was key on money. Uh, they they had the it was like but second was, and goal, third and goal, well, runs on. in the touchdown, was two Cole, point conversion. Was Cole Ballard not also he was at times? He was. Um, I think it's a neutral. I think both are slight positives, but it's close enough to a neutral that yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that <clears> case. But you're right. If if he throws the pick six, the stats look a little different. Then it's definitely a neutral. Yeah, then maybe even correct. Cole Ballard is favored. Yes, I think he would at that point. So that's a good good point. Um, what is the KU play of the game, even though they lost? Uh, I mean, the first seven touchdown. I mean, the, the K State play of the game is the muff punt for that sure. revived them. The Devin Neal first touchdown. The Mason Fairchild long pass. Start second half. Start second half. Austin Booker sack before the. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, but again, you run into the problem of like right. Hindsight says that that ended up being not a big play. Yeah. It's like if the world blew up in five minutes from right now, if I went right now and punched you in the face, then it wouldn't matter. You know what I mean? Because in five minutes, 
I, just I, blow, I, I blow don't up. even know how to respond to that, to be honest. <laughs> okay. I, mean, I mean, I hope you don't do that. No, but. I won't. I'm just like, you know. Okay. That's the kind of idea. It's like, it's I like think, a small I think, little blip. I'm going to be honest radar. with you. I think you could have used a million different other analogies <laughs> that would have been perfectly sufficient. Mm-hmm. I don't know why you had to include one that involved punching me. <laughs> but, um, uh, sure. Uh, low key, you know what was a huge play? It was the fourth and two for Kansas. Yes, I yes. can't remember it was what on the first score drive was. Right? It was in the first half. I think it, it might have first, been on the first drive. No, it, well, it was in the first scoring drive. So their second drive. Was it okay? It was the it was the throw to Quentin Skinner. It was in a tight window. Skinner was being guarded well, and he kind of boxed out the defender, just made a contested catch and held on the ball, and then they they ended. Up, I I don't remember. Yeah, it was literally the okay. play before that Evan Neal touched. Okay, per, I mean that, that that was a huge play. Yeah. It kind of unsung because it was you know short yardage play, but yeah, that was a big one there. About the tush push play. Okay, you're just supposed to push. Cool. Yeah, yeah. push was cool. Dominic Pooney at center. Love yeah, it. Yeah, that was cool. All right, uh, we're going to get to Rock Chalk Pick a Hawk for KU Basketball. KU Basketball game picks coming up on the other side. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. In about an hour, we're going to have pregame coverage for Kansas and Chaminade in the Maui Invitational being played in Honolulu. Uh, that one will tip off at 8 o'clock here at here on KLWN and over on our sister station at 105.9 KISS. Uh, we're going to play some Lance Leipold postgame audio, Bill Self pregame audio coming up in our next segment of the show here. Before we do that, we got to get to our KU basketball game picks and our Rock Chalk Pick a hawk, which uh, which one do you want to do first? Oh, pick a hawk first. Pick a hawk first. Okay. We, always, we always do pick a hawk first. All right. Well, uh, pick a hawk. The rules: you get one point for every point that the player scores. You get two points for every rebound and assist. Three points for blocks and steals, and you lose one for every minute they play. I am three and two. Yeah, it's wild two that I am three. two and one. <laughs> no, you are not two and one. And, Crazy that uh, I'm two and one and better than you. We're going to each lead. pick five players on this episode. Uh, one less scholarship player, KJ Adams. Yeah. Doesn't sound like he's going to go tonight. Yeah. Um. So Who's first? eight scholarship players. I have the first pick this time. Wait, how? Because you had the first pick last time. I don't remember that. <laughs> remember you had Hunter Dickinson in the game that he had a billion <laughs> points. Yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> okay, fine, fine. Okay. All right, fine. Well, see, this becomes interesting though because Hunter Dickinson in a game like this could only play. 25 minutes and, and not put up, you know, he could have 16 points, not try, have seven rebounds. Yeah, there's a high possibility he does not try. But even then, him not trying, if he has, uh, what I just said, 16.7 rebounds in 25 minutes, it's what still a positive. Yeah. Plus whatever else he does, you know. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's just Hunter Dickinson. The floor is so high, and the ceiling is so high, too. Yeah. Uh, and their biggest player for Chaminade is six foot nine. They have three six foot nine guys. Uh, outside of that, it's all six seven below. They're going to have a big size advantage. They're not a great rebounding team. Should be a lot hey, of rebounds. Is there any rule that says you can't stack a guy on top of another guy to defend? I don't know. That would be very interesting. And where would, like, goaltending? I, I don't know. It's a wonderful question. You know, like, is there anything that says that they can't put like you know their six foot guard? You know how many goaltends you and get, have though? him on the back of mm-hmm. the, the the center? That wouldn't be mobile though, at all. You wouldn't be able to run around much, and somebody would be wide open at that point. You'd be playing five on four. Yeah, but no, well, but again, you'd have to you'd have to execute it in such a way, and that I don't think there's a way that this would work. <laughs> no, but, I like no, hang the spirit on. Of no, 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 no. Hang on a second. Okay, you run down the court. And you switch, and you switch in such a way that the guy jumps on the other guy's back really quickly, and then you're set up, and you're good. This sounds like a uh, back strain waiting to happen for your center. It, it could. 
Yeah, it could. I also, if I was the recruit, if I was so like a center I almost, and I was I wonder, like, hey, we play this style where somebody's going <laughs> to piggyback on you, I'd be like, yep. no, I'm not well, going Well, I think here. it might actually be better if it was, if you put, no, that wouldn't work either. I was thinking you could put two guards on top of each other. No, again. But then like the, the, the issue there the issue, is yeah. you'd have to bring a one of your bigs out to try to guard one of the other guards probably, and that probably wouldn't work. No, I don't think it would. So. Who's your first pick? I don't know. It's an interesting theory, though. I'm going to workshop this one. I'm going to workshop it. I'm going to call Bill Self and ask him about it. Be like, hey, is there I any rule? I dare you to ask that in a press conference. Like, as I just he, say, is there any he rule? probably will laugh because it's such an absurd thing. It's not absurd. <laughs> you don't You don't think <laughs> piggybacking a player on another player is that absurd? <laughs> well, I can't even say that with a straight face. So, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I guess. Okay. Anyways, it's my pick, right? Yes. Okay. You have back-to-back picks, in fact. Uh, Dewan Harris. Okay. Another guy that... I think has a very very high floor. But could this be one of those games where Dewan is like, I don't but need he's to gonna score. Have I'm not going to shoot. Assists. But remember the game that he had one of the early games where he had like ten assists, and I think he had negative points. He's going to have like twelve assists because he had zero points. It was like ten assists, like one rebound in like twenty five minutes, and I think he had like negative two or negative three. That could be. I don't, that I don't, could happen. This game. I don't. I, no, he's fine. Okay. My second pick will be Kevin McCullough. Guy had a triple double. It's honestly. If you go based off just the fact that he had a triple-double, it is highway robbery that he fell to the third pick. He had a triple-double. And he's in the third pick? It's great value. So because he had that's a triple-double one be, time. That's why I should be hired as a GM. I didn't even have a choice. I wasn't going to take him in number one. You could have. I, I would, that wouldn't have been smart. Why not? So if you were the number one pick, you would have taken Kevin McCuller. No. Okay, that's what I thought. <laughs> um, I mean, I would have liked if you would have. Your number one pick. <laughs> well... I have back-to-back picks now. Obviously, you know K.J. Adams here. I wonder who the other starters are going to be. I mean, I assume El Marco stays in the starting lineup. Will it be Furphy? Will it be Timberlake? I feel like it's... Will it be Parker Brown? <laughs> I mean, we saw that, that lineup next to each other. That would be interesting. Honestly, I think the favorites to start are Timberlake and Brown. Maybe. I'm leaning Maybe. Timberlake, though. I don't know. You don't think Furphy's got a chance? I think he has a chance, but I, I think Bill Self wants to see what Timberlake can do, and, and he's going to give it to the senior, let them get a start. Yeah, but he hasn't given it to the senior at the start of the two all season. I mean, he, if you count the exhibition games. I mean, there's only been three games. I it's thought we weren't counting the exhibition size. games. No, we are. We always do. <laughs> I, uh, I, almost, I I tried to catch you there. <laughs> I'm going to go Parker Brown. I was hoping he might start. Up. Even if he doesn't, I don't think Hunter Dickinson's going to play a huge load. He'll, he'd be the tallest player on the court, even if Hunter Dickinson's not, it, or compared to Chaminade. Um, so I think he can have an efficient game. And he's been efficient in some of these smaller games anyway, so yeah. I think I, I like that. Um, from there, I'm going to go uh, El Marco Jackson, and here's why. So El okay. Marco Jackson in, in the first two games, like he hasn't had the best starts, but he's closed well. The second exhibition game against Manhattan, he had what? like It was like eight points, nine points, ten assists. Yeah, And a lot of that came in kind of garbage time. He was able to find some stuff late. I think he could do that in this game. So I'll take El Marco. The Marco. I am going. <laughs> no. What? That's what. Stop. In Spanish. That's what it Stop. would be. The Marco. <laughs> oh, you're suddenly a Spanish expert. No, but I know that. Okay. Well, anyways. El Paso. Did you know to... that stands for the pass in Texas? No. That's not what it stands for. Well, in, in American it, or English it is. No. El Paso. The pass. We're, we're moving on. I am picking 
Australian, the Australian menace, Vegemite Dynamite, Furf and Turf, the Furfinator, Furfy's Law. Anything that can't be dunked will be dunked, <laughs> especially tonight. Johnny Furphy. Does he have a dunk yet? I know he's hit some things. I don't think so, actually. Maybe tonight's tonight. He definitely has the athleticism, though. Like, there's yeah. no question about, you know, this is not a Jalen Wilson situation. He definitely can. It's just a matter of when. <laughs> you have another pick. Oh, crap. Um, you weren't prepared. <laughs> all right, so I got Nick Timberlake, and then is Jank the next man available after Timberlake? I mean, I'm not. This is your draft board. Why would I help you? Well, I'm just trying to count through to see, make sure I'm not missing anybody. Um, TikTok. I guess I'll take Timberlake. I don't know. All right. Nick Timberlake is yours. I don't feel good about it. All right. I have back to back picks. Oh, wait a second. Yep. Jamari McDowell is mine. <laughs> I was hoping you would forget him. I just fumbled that. Yeah. Jamari McDowell is mine. I, I feel good about that. Um, First of all, I never locked in my pick, actually. So. I, I took my pick. So it's like what do you in mean? the NFL draft, if your timer runs out, I get to bring my pick up. I don't think that's true. Yeah, it is. It happened to the Vikings. When? Like 20 years ago. Oh, I'm supposed to remember that? How they got Randy Moss. 20 years ago? That's how they got Randy Moss. Okay. Um, Jamar McDowell, and then which walk-on do I want? Michael Jankovic is the betting pick to get the most minutes and get the most shots, but could that hurt me in this event? I think it might. It might. But I'm going to be a believer. Michael Jankovic hits two or three threes tonight. How about that? Give me Jank. Wow. My last pick. Okay, so Dylan Wilhite. Wilder Evers is still hurt, I believe, right? I think so, yeah. Patrick Cassidy. I mean, hurt. we're not really getting everyday updates from Bill <laughs> Self on the status of the walk-on, so I don't know. Well, so Evers and Cassidy are the two guys that were hurt. Yeah. And then I have Wilhite. You know what? Just give me Wilhite. I'm not, I'm not going to overthink it. Steering to the Wilhype. Yes, that's better than the Marco. The Marco, I kind of like that. The, the if Marco. his name was the Marco Jackson, <laughs> I mean, first uh, number one pick in the draft. Uh, okay, so that'll be pick a hawk. Uh, Ku basketball picks. We've done well on basketball picks. You are seven and two. I'm eight and one. Unfortunately, there are no prop picks up. Prop yeah. bets up. I, I think yeah. that probably because they're playing a D two school. But there is a line for it on DraftKings. Kansas is minus forty two and a half, and the over under is one fifty four. I'll take Kansas. Do you feel great about that? Um, that is so many points. I don't feel great. You though. realize they could win 100 to 60, and you're not even covering. <laughs> That's so ridiculous. I don't care. Kansas. Okay. Uh, that that would lead me to believe that you're taking Chaminade. No, I, I, I think I'm taking Kansas, too. But, like, if, if they're going to cover the 42 and a half, you have to expect them to get over 100 points, right? Chaminade uh, does have a good three-point shooting team and a good offense. You would think, yeah. I'm, but my worry here is that Kansas is up fifty with like five minutes left, and then they hit uh, Chaminade hits four threes in the final five minutes and loses by forty. Oh, easily. That's probably what's going to happen. Actually, forty-two and a half is so much. I kind of want to take Chaminade. I mean, think about Point. it. Most teams don't even score. Most teams don't score forty-two and a half in one half of basketball. I know. I'll I'll just take Chaminade with the point. That's so many, dude. Gonna Kansas regret. wins by 40, but not 42 and a half. I regret that, that one. Uh, over under is 154. I think if you're, I think if if I'm taking Kansas minus 42 and a half, I almost have to take the over. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree with that. So I'm taking the over. I'm taking the over as well. 
Because again, in my scenario, 100 to 60 is a Chaminade cover. It's a yes. KU blowout win, and it's the over. Yes. They put up 99 against North Carolina Central and Manhattan. Because like, what are the? Uh, is it more likely that Kansas wins 90 to 40, or like 105 to 50? I think the second, because again, Chaminade shoots well from three. That's what I'm saying. They've got a guy averaging 21 a game, and they are. Like, you look at some of the ratings, good offense in D2, but they're not a very good defense. So yeah, I think a lot of points tonight. I wouldn't be surprised if KU covers. I just think 42.5 is too much. But, yeah, I'll take the over and uh, Shaman out there. All right. All right, that's our KU basketball game picks and Rock Chalk Pick-A-Hawk. We will recap whatever happens on tomorrow's show. We'll get to some uh, Lance Leipold post-KUK State audio, some Bill Self pre-Maui Invitational audio, that coming up on the other side. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. This is FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Well, that's it. If you're listening on our podcast side, thanks for tuning in. Please give us a positive review if your platform allows you to do so, as you can find the show anywhere you get your podcasts with the best of RCST podcast. If you do have any questions for the show, whether it's for a mailbag, just something you think that'd be fun to talk about, you can reach out to us on our Twitter page at RCST1320. You can also email us if you don't have Twitter. RCST1320AM at gmail.com. That's RCST1320AM at gmail.com. And if you want to listen live, 3 to 6 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday on KLWN, KLWN KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Have a good rest of the day and see you next podcast.